0: Leading at about, um, I don't know, 10.50, got in the car at 11.30 and drove straight down here to be with y'all. So, um, man, God's good. I I, I feel Him. The same God, this is what what is amazing to me. And it continues, like, I've I've been in this thing for a long time. I've been serving the Lord for a long time. I've been in church a long time. The thing that should always amaze us and never grow old to us is that the same God that we felt in Columbus is the same God that we felt here. He's the same. He's looking to pour himself out over anybody who would say, do it, God, and me. Over any community. You guys are gatekeepers to this community. What you do matters. And I was I was reminded, um, we have a school of worship, and I've been teaching this class on the history of worship, and we were looking through the Old Testament, through the early church, and, and even talking up to like the current way that we do worship in church, and seeing God's faithfulness. Every time you gather, and you're led in worship, reality that we have been singing the same song since King David and his tabernacle, we are continuing to sing that song from all those years, all those generations ago. We are continuing to sing that same song. We don't just sing songs to the sky. I never want you to think that what we do is not... Uh, important. It has no long-lasting effect. I was reminded uh, this morning, I, I just want to, before I get into this word, it's, it's a quick word. But I want to, I, I, I'm on this, like, mission to remind people that I talk to that there's power when we praise. There's power when we worship. I remember years ago, we were, um, I was playing drums, and Clay Davis, who was our worship leader at the time, We were just playing and they were having an altar call and people were all over the place, you know, like one of those good old-fashioned altar calls. And there was a young man down here uh, who was demon-possessed and there was a group of them praying him through deliverance. And they were praying and they were laboring and we, as the band and the musicians, got into this, this vein of worship where we were just going to battle. And I will never forget that we were singing and we were playing songs unto the Lord. And what we were doing was having an effect on how that young man was being delivered. I remember one of our leaders in the church, when we started hitting and, and going after it, he looked up at us and he was telling us to keep going, keep going. Because something happens. If you're looking for deliverance in your life, keep praying. If you're looking for freedom in your life, keep praising. If you're looking for more of God, keep worshiping. Every time we encounter Him, we are changed even if we don't realize it, even if we don't see it with our eyes, it's kind of like that thing, you know, my my, my boys, I have an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old, which is hard to believe. I see them every day. So the, the rate that they grow to me is, is nothing. But when Aunt Mindy comes into town and she hadn't seen them for a while and she lays eyes on them and she says, wow, you guys have gotten big. Last time she saw them, they were here. Now they're up here, whatever it might be. To me, they're not growing fast. But for somebody who's not living with a promise every day, they don't realize how, f- they're, they're growing faster than what you realize. That thing that you're chasing in your heart after God, it's happening. Be faithful. The ones who win are the ones who finish. I don't know who needs this. It wasn't even a part of what I was going to say today. But just keep pressing. Just keep going. The enemy would love nothing more than to talk you out of your inheritance. He would love nothing more than to talk you out of doing the work that that God has called you to do. No matter how small you think it is or how big you think it is, keep pressing and keep following him, okay? Amen. I want to talk to you today about perfect peace, um, finding wholeness for your mind. How many of you all know that our mind is an important thing? Every action that we carry out, it's born in your mind. Every thought that we have is born from some place. It's born from something, so I want to pray for you, and then we're going to get into this real quick, and we're just going to search God's heart uh, for what he wants to do today. Okay, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this congregation. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts through your word. I thank you for allowing me to come and be a part of this today. I thank you, God, for your word that is eternal. I thank you for your word that is constantly good, and I pray, Lord, that, that as we read these simple passages of scripture, that you would make it come alive to us, God. Or that those who have been battling in their mind for so long would, would see that you have a plan and you have a purpose. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. All right, turn your Bibles with me or we'll put it on the screens up here. We're going to go to Isaiah 26, and that says 3, but we're going to read verses 1 through 9. I'll read it for you if you've got your Bibles go there. Well, the Bible says, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation, its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep him. Right here is the is the passage of scripture that I want us to sink our teeth into today. You will keep him in perfect peace, those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. Uh, for the Lord, the Lord Himself is the rock eternal. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground and casts it to the dust. To the dust, feet trample it down. And the feet of the oppressed, the footsteps of the poor, the path of the righteous, the righteous is level. You are. Uh, you, the upright one, make the way out of right out of the righteous smooth. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desires of our heart. My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. When your judgments come upon the earth, the people of the world will learn righteousness. I want you to say perfect peace. Look at the person that's sitting next to you and say perfect peace. That's such a great idea, right? Such a great concept. Is to lay yourself down at night and your mind not constantly reminds you of everything that's going on in the world. Of all the failures that you may or may not have done. Is anybody like lay in bed at night and think like, why did I do that when I was, you know, 16 years old, 17 years old? Anybody, just me, okay. Isn't that funny how you lay there and your mind starts, your mind just starts going through all of those things. Well, the Bible says that he'll keep those in perfect peace whose mind... Is stayed on you. Say that again, say perfect peace. In Hebrew, the term perfect peace is actually shalom, shalom. It's the same word, shalom, shalom. This shows in Hebrew uh, the repetition, repetition communicates intensity. It's good to have intensity and peace. Um, it isn't just shalom, it's shalom, shalom. It's perfect peace. That word shalom means completeness, soundness welfare, and peace. It is a word that encompasses the mind, the body, and the soul. The word shalom appears 237 times in 209 verses. It is interwoven through some of the greatest Bible stories that we know. It's interwoven through the strongest biblical figures that we read about. And it is interwoven in our faith. And I would even go one more, one more step and say, it's available to you today. We, we live in a crazy world, right? Right? You, you, you wait like, I, I've, I've just turned off the news. I, it's crazy. <laughs> Every day you wake up, there's a new catastrophe. Every day you wake up, there's a new group of people fighting this group of people and that and this and this. And isn't it good in this day and age, I feel like it's one of the greatest things that we can do to show our devotion to the Lord, is to have peace in the middle of chaos. Right? We, we live in an up, upside-down kingdom, which you, you see it in the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Isn't it just like God to say, in chaos, I'm going to give my children peace? In times of sorrow, I'm going to give my children joy. Even in death, the Bible tells us that we are to mourn like those who have no hope. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We have a hope in an eternity. When we specifically talk about this perfect peace, this shalom, shalom, this is not just some idea that is far-fetched and out there. It's a peace that passes all understanding, the Bible says. What that means is you have peace even when it don't make sense to have peace. Is there anybody that can say, yes, I want that peace in my life? I'll say it. Perfect peace represents a double door type of peace that stays between you and the chaos of this world that wants to invade your mind and wants to invade your heart. In that day, the Bible began, began that little portion that we read. It said, in that day. What day are we talking about? The context from Isaiah 24 and 25, which is comes before Isaiah 26 that we read. Isn't that funny how 24, 25 comes before 26? uh, Points to the day of the Messiah's ultimate triumph. The day when the Messiah reigns over Israel and all the earth. In that day, there'll be a lot of joyful singing. Such... As this song will be sung in the land of Judah is what the Bible says. So this day is prophetically pointing to a day that's yet to come. But you better believe that we have access to this peace right now. The Bible said um, in Isaiah 33, 20, 20 through uh, 21. Look upon Zion, the city of our appointed feast. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, a quiet home, a tabernacle that will not be taken down. Not one of its stakes will ever be moved, nor will any of its cords be broken. But there will be a majestic Lord. Uh, there the majestic Lord will be for us a place of broad rivers and streams in which no galley with uh, with oars will sail, nor majestic majestic ships shall pass by. So this, this idea here, you see it in Isaiah 26, is that Jehovah's serves as its walls. Isaiah 33 right here says the Lord will be for us. So we're talking about perfect peace. It's not this idea that God is going to install something new inside of us. It's literally talking about how we put our trust in God himself and that's what gives us perfect peace. If I put my trust in myself, that's not going to help me a lot. If I put my trust in you, that might help me a little bit. But how many of you know that man will fail you? Because it's what it's who we are. We're not eternal. We're not great. We can't save anybody. We can't heal anybody. We can't. That's only by the grace of God. And this is the majestic Lord will be for us. Right? But here's where we so we're talking about this. Beautiful idea of perfect peace, the shalom, shalom, this double door representation of peace, and how beautiful it is. Here's the challenge that we find when we talk about living in that perfect peace. You will keep him in perfect peace. I want you to say, Keep. Say it again, say, Keep. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Say, Steadfast. Say, Steadfast. Steadfast because they trust in you, right? That word keep means to guard, watch over, to keep, to be uh, kept closed, a blockade. I would like to submit to y'all today that some of you are dealing with fear because you let fear in. I've noticed several people in my life who deal with fear on like level 100 and we start getting into the nitty-gritty of why they deal with fear and they're watching movies, horror movies, movies that fill their thoughts, their ideas with there's something lurking around every corner and then they wonder why there's so much fear some who battle with sexual sin and sexual thoughts that are constantly going through your mind. Well, what are you filling your thoughts with? What kind of music are you listening to? What kind of images are you allowing to flash before your face? Are you allowing God to cleanse you, to wash you out, to make you whole every day? Because we live in an oversexualized world who are constantly throwing images and things in front of everybody. And it's our responsibility to keep our minds on him. Because there's plenty of stuff that will want to take it off of who he is. Now the word steadfast is lean to lay to rest to support or brace oneself uh, oneself onto. He, he's good. We can make we can trust that he's going to be faithful in what he said that he will do. If we keep our minds off, uh, we keep our minds on him. We will be found in him steadfast. Now there's this there's this principle that's found throughout scripture time and time again. The Bible says, if you, so that's lean on God, to rest in God, support yourself in God, brace yourself in God, right? You'll keep in him perfect peace whose minds are steadfast. There's a decision that must be made. And then it says he will guard your mind, watch over your mind, keep your mind heart, uh, mind and heart closed, provide a blockade, right? So how do we keep our minds steadfast on God, right? This is the whole Challenge of this scripture. Well, Philippians 4 and 8 says this finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Colossians 3 2 says, Set your mind on things that are above and not on things of this world. This is my just honest thought when I look at the church today is that we have our eyes fixed on this world too much. I know that's like a cliche thing. I know that's something that, yeah, well, duh. Yeah, we have our minds set on this world. But it is, even, even in the, the little things, even in the, the things like church attendance, even in the things that used to be foundational in our beliefs, it's no longer just a dead given that we put our trust and our faith in those things. It's almost like everything is up for grabs. So what does that tell me? I'm to keep my mind on God's word. If he said it, I'm going to believe it. Amen. If he said it, I'm going to believe it. And God's word is very specific about a lot of things. And if you are constantly thinking about things that don't line up with that whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. The, 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 The crazy thing about the Bible is there's a lot of times where Whatever the thing is that you are ingesting with your eyes, you're ingesting with your ears, you know immediately if that thing matches up with this list. It's not like you have to, you know, look and say, is it this? Oh, no, is it this? Is it that? You know because the Holy Spirit and God has given us discernment. And far too long, we entertain things that we shouldn't uh, entertain. Amen. First Peter 1:13 through 13-16 says this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your heart in the grace to be brought to you uh, when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you have had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who calls you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. To keep your mind stayed on God and his things, it takes an enormous amount of sacrificing your flesh. We love that word sacrifice, right? I mean, honestly, we should. We should love that word. But it's hard. And I I realize, you know, it's like sacrifice. There's like a bunch of words that it, it costs you something. What did the Bible say? Count the cost. Know what you've gotten yourself into. But it's not like we lose something and don't gain anything back. We gain a kingdom that is unshakable. We gain peace that passes all understanding. We gain joy. We gain the fruit of the Spirit. Everything that God is, everything that God has called us to, that's what we gain. And all we have to do is lay down ourselves to sacrifice our flesh. John 3.30, the Bible tells us that he must increase and I must decrease. So there's these like super um, easy principles that are way hard to, to actually do. And I, I encourage you, like sit down, I, I did this a few years ago. I sat down with a journal, and I, was, I, I asked God. I said, God, show me the things that are keeping me from more of you, of walking more and locked up with your heart. Silly me thought there was going to be like four or five things, and it turned into like two pages of relationships that I'd forgotten about, that I needed to go heal, of all this stuff, you know, that you kind of just mosey on about and you forget, like you've buried it and you moved on and not found rec- reconciliation. And ask God. If you want to talk about getting more of him and finding out his heart for you, ask him what he wants from you. That's sacrifice. Sacrifice is laying things down, even the good things. My wife one year, uh, I don't know, this has probably been about 10 years ago, 19 years ago. She bought me an Xbox One when they first came out for Christmas. And it was awesome and I was happy. It was one of those things like we said, we was like, just spend X amount of dollars. I can't remember what it was. And that thing was well over the amount of money that we said that we would spend. So she like, she did great. I was, it was a great Christmas. And then about three months later, wouldn't you know that I was having a great time playing on my Xbox One and I heard the Spirit of the Lord say to me, do you love me more than that Xbox? And I knew what was coming next. Sell it. And I'm like, but God, my wife got it for me, <laughs> and I I can't have her mad, be mad at me, and you know went through this whole thing. But sometimes God will ask you to. And I, I sold that thing; my wife was cool with it. And I'm gonna tell you, like, I can't t- I can't say that God came down in this huge bright light and said, "Well done, David." That didn't happen. But again, like, we don't live for this moment right here. Sometimes God asks us to give up things that are, that are hurting us. But also sometimes he asks us to give up the things that we love to see if we love him more. If I got anything in my life that I love more than Jesus, I don't want it anyway. It's quiet in this church. I don't want it because it keeps me from the fullness of who he is. And all this stuff, all this stuff is going to fade away one day. It will all fade away. And we'll be standing before God and we'll be having to answer for how we lived our life. But God is asking us to sacrifice things. And, and there's, a, there's a great deal of temptation that comes along with that. Because it's easy to just kind of mosey along. And the enemy knows. Like, right, the enemy doesn't know your thoughts. The enemy is not all-knowing. There's only one who is all-knowing. That's God. It's like I try to tell my kids all the time, the devil can't make you do nothing. You look all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The only thing that he could do was try to convince Eve to do what he wanted her to do. The only thing, the only power that the devil has in your life is delegated authority. That's what the Bible says. What that means is God has given us power through his son and through his spirit, the Holy Spirit, and now we walk in that power. Now the only authority the devil gets is what we allow him to do. Yeah? It's true. And Jesus and the devil are not on the same, are not like heads and tails on a coin. It's like God is the $100 bill and the devil don't even get to have his face on currency. They're not equals. Like, like we, 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 we put too much emphasis on this spiritual thing when Jesus already won the victory on the cross. And the enemy is only trying to convince us that we've lost. Only trying to convince us. And his job is to pervert everything that God has created. From the beginning of time until this very second. It is his goal because he hates you. Because you're made in God's image. It's the very thing that he wanted to be. God made us. Remember Lucifer said, I'm going to be like the most high God. And what did God do? He threw him down to earth. And out of everywhere in the galaxy, God put you and me on the place that he threw the devil and he made us in his image. And, you know, even when you talked about things like worship and what we get to do here and sing our songs, that's what Lucifer used to do in heaven. So not only God put you in God's image on this earth, but we are also called to do the very thing that he used to do that he can no longer do. That's good. And so, yeah, we deal with a lot of temptation, Because he's trying to get us to step away from what we've been called to do and to step into dead works which yield nothing but death and destruction. So the Bible says in Matthew, actually let's go 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And I would like to correct like a church theology thing. that We always talk about God's not going to give me more than I can bear. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you're not going to be tempted more than you can bear. You are going to constantly be overloaded with things that you cannot handle because what would faith be if we could handle everything? Amen. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I want to show you a video of these. How I many of y'all love puppy dogs? I do. I'm going to show, Yeah, watch this video, right? So the, there's three dogs. This one right here, their goal is to make it from the beginning to the end. That dog goes through, he stops, and he looks. The trail is literally marked with, like, toys, with food. This dog's checking it out before he goes. Their goal is to get from that end to the other end that their master's at. I took the audio out because they're talking in a different language. I have no idea what they were saying. So I was like, I'm just going to narrate it. Boom, he goes straight from the beginning. So it would be good to be one of those first two dogs, but a lot of times we're this dog. My man literally touches every single thing. He even goes back to get the stuff that he missed. While his master is down there saying, I don't even know why he's keeping time anymore. The master has to come and get this puppy. Even while she's dragging him away, he's still trying to get the kibbles and bits. He's trying to get every single piece of meat that they laid out on that. Everything. Like this video goes on and on and on and on. And then finally, the master has had enough. <laughs> Grabs the collar. Like, I don't even know why she's trying to still compete. This dog's going to throw up everywhere after this is over. And then, but-a-bing, but-a-boom, it's over. What I love about this video, right, you and I are the dog. We can. We, and I don't know if you caught that first one. But the, the first dog, it runs, he runs from the front to the end. And right when he's in the middle of it, he kind of turns because something catches the scent. But he's 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 trained. And so he sets his face forward and he runs to the master. Second dog, I love I love that second dog. Before he's even called, he's looking over the lay of the land. Right? Those dogs have powerful sense. How many of y'all have a dog? My dog, we could be chilling at, at night, me and my wife watching TV or whatever, and my dog starts giving the Arr! because somebody like two miles away got up or something like that, you know? And then it sets off all the other dogs in the area. Dogs are crazy. But that dog, is sniffing it out. He's seeing what's in the lay of the land. And then he, when his master calls, boom, straight to. And that third dog, a lot of times, is like us. We get caught. We get drugged down. We want to find out everything. Man, one thing that this world is not short of is entertainment. And it can absolutely steal our attention from what God is trying to. Listen, my kids, God teaches me a lot through my kids. And about mine and his relationship, he teaches me a lot about uh, this relationship through that relationship. That'll be times I'll, I'll scream from my kids, hey boys! And that's the response I get. Hey guys! And literally 30 seconds, yeah? You know, because they're up there doing, they're playing with toys or they're, they're doing something, they're distracted. And I'm trying to call them down and say, hey, I need to tell you something. Man, how many times have we lived our life distracted? And the, vo- the voice of the Lord is calling to us, but we've got our eyes and our ears and our heart attached to something else. What I love too about the master is you can see, you know, I, we can over-spiritualize everything if you want. I would like to do that. Because I th- can see you can see God everywhere. Even in that video, when that dog is going through and he's trying to bite everything that he can, the master comes into the competition ring and begins to try to direct the dog, even with a little gentle little knee shove. I think you could call that something like Jonah in the belly of a whale. Right? Jonah, it was not a part of his destiny to be in the belly of the whale until he disobeyed God. A lot of us find ourselves in Jonah belly of the whale type of circumstances because we don't obey what God said in the first place. And then we get upset about it and we say, God, deliver us, and we have the chance to deliver ourselves all the way back here. That's another message for another time. But even God in His grace and His mercy, when He sees us distracted and waning and looking left and looking right, He's such a good God that He doesn't just stand in heaven and call our names. But He reaches out to us in every way, in every shape, in every form. Even when we fall down, He's there to pick us back up. He's full of grace and He's full of mercy. He's full of truth. It's who He is. So how do we guard and we keep and protect this perfect peace? Second Thess- Thessalonians 3.3 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. There is nobody like God. He's the one who rules. He's the one who reigns. He's the one who's defeated the devil. The Bible tells us about the story about when all the nations will look upon when the, when the devil is revealed before all of them, and they'll say, This is what caused all the trouble in the nations. The devil is as a roaring lion, not like a roaring lion, When I play golf, in my mind, I'm like Tiger Woods. In reality, I am not. (laughs) It's the same kind of philosophy. He's there to protect us from the evil one. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 511 says, But let all those who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Psalm 3419 says, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him or her out of all of them. Listen, if you got saved and somebody told you that all your troubles are going to be gone, they lied to you. Right? There's like this principle when we think that we get to the promised land, whatever God has called us to, that all of a sudden the enemies will cease and the battles will stop because we've made it to the, to the place that God has called us to. It's actually the opposite. <laughs> the closer you get to where God is calling you, the, the more intense the fight gets. When you get to the place where God has called you to go, you better be on guard and ready because the enemy would love nothing more than to stop you from achieving the goal that God has designed you for. And a lot of times, like, we forget about these spiritual realities that absolutely grab hold of us. And if we're not careful, we don't actually assign to. You know, the Bible talks about, believe uh, in 2 Chronicles somewhere, where David's giving, like, his manifesto for the tabernacle of David to all the families. And he's going through and he's saying, Ascribe to the Lord all you nations. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of the earth. And he uses that word ascribe a lot. I love this passage of scripture because again, he's giving kind of this layout of this is the plan of how we're going to do this, even to you and I. And that word ascribe means to assign as a source of. Right? We got to assign God as the source to man. There are a lot of times we blame the devil for our own ignorance. Yeah. There's a lot, of, I'll never forget my, my my friend when he was younger, we were working on his moped. And he was trying to tighten this thing. I can't even remember what he was doing. But he got mad, and he <laughs> he hit it with his uh, his wrench. And when he hit it with his wrench, the gas line came undone, and it squirted him right in the eye. And he went shouting and running, and in a lot of pain. And I remember we had a discussion after that. It's like if you would have just kept your cool, we'd probably be riding that thing right now. <laughs> well, a lot of us get ourselves in situations, and we want to blame the devil because why? That's an easy out. If the devil did it, then there's no absolutely no responsibility for us. But if we understand that we have a call to rise to, and if you want perfect peace, but you're not living a life that there is always, an, what's the Bible say? If my people who are called by my, my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, then I will heal their land. There's a responsibility that you hold. You're not a damsel in distress. He is a God. He's a good father. But you have his spirit inside of you. You have been given this life that the very breath in your lungs is from God the Father. When he blew it all the way, that's that's his breath in our lungs. It's not when we sing songs like, it's your breath in our lungs. We're giving back to God what he gave to us. And we better use every breath that we can to position our lives. Worship, faithfulness, this journey, discipleship is all about Posture. How am I posturing my heart? Am I placing myself in the driver's seat or am I allowing God to be the one who leads and guides and directs? And if you want perfect peace, I encourage you to pray and ask God. Read his word. Don't read the news as much. Find yourself praying before the Lord. Don't be listening to the radio all the time. I mean, our lives, if you think about it, they're like, we have been built like antennas. David said that my heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Over and over and over again in our Bible we see where God has designed us to not be able to just commune and connect with him, but to understand and feel when he's near. And we have to, listen, if God can train our, our, our fingers to uh, for war and our hands for fighting, you better believe he can train your mind for right thinking. He can do it. He's the original designer of us all, isn't he? It's like taking the car back to the original manufacturer and say, fix it. <laughs> He can do that. Can you stand on your feet with me? I want to pray over you. This is this is absolutely is one of those words where you go